Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into His Word. Let's jump right into today's message. So good to have you guys with us. Listen, if you're watching online or perhaps you're listening on our podcast, we want to welcome you. Hope Covenant, would you welcome our online viewers and listeners? So great to have you with us this morning. Listen, we consider you a part of this family. If you're ever in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to visit. We'll make you feel right at home. Turning your Bibles, if you would, with me to Matthew 5. We're going to jump to verse 8. For those of you that haven't been a part of this series, this is the Beatitudes, the value system of Jesus. And I want you to just give me the next 30 minutes of undistracted uh, uh, attention here. And I believe that we're going to leave changed. How many of you every week have been provoked by the Holy Spirit during this, these Beatitudes? So one of the things that I've noticed is I've noticed in the world today, we're living in a bit of a different time, aren't we? And one of the things that I noticed was we have a value system issue. So when I turned to scripture, Jesus, one of his most powerful messages that he ever spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke this, this, uh, this group of values that we turned into a series, nine of them, I believe. Uh, some scholars say there's eight. I believe there's nine. I've been saying that every week, and it's important that you know that. Um, we're going to dissect each one of these. We've been doing that every week. And so today we're going to dissect, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And there's a lot of revelation in every one of these little nuggets that Jesus gives in the Sermon of the Mount. And I believe that if we would apply these, that we would see the value system of the United States of America and the world change. Can I get an amen? amen. But see, it starts with us. Say it starts with me. It starts with me. It, not the neighbor next to you. It starts with me. I need to look at myself. So this is a mirror message. This is a mirror series where we look at me and we examine self and say, what in me does not line up with this value system that Jesus spells out that if I would apply this would forever change everything? And I pray that this isn't just words. In fact, we're going we're gonna to just pray again that the Lord would allow us that this would seep not into our heads and not into our intellect. And I'm really going to harp on that, but into our hearts. So, Father, right now, I thank you for every person that's in this place, every person that's listening, every person that's watching online, that this would not be something that would be just hitting our intellect and our brain, that it would, but that it would pierce our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we invite you as we look to your word, which is living and it's active, and you're here right now in the midst of us, Father, that you would change us in the name of Jesus. I want to say this, that one of the things that I'm noticing in the American church is we're becoming more and more programmed and less and less Holy Spirit. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I want to say this, that if you don't feel the conviction of Holy Spirit, I encourage you to open your heart and invite him to speak to you, and he will. Because it says in Matthew that when we knock on the door, he answers. Are you with me? So Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now that doesn't sound like there's a question mark there. It sounds like a statement to me that when we're pure in heart, we will see God. Are you catching that? I know that sounds like maybe that's not very profound, but it is. Because it's not maybe I will see God. It's when I am pure in heart, I will see God. Yeah. 
There's a verse in scripture, who can ascend, who can go up the, the hill of the Lord, him and her with clean hands and a pure heart. Okay, there's another scripture for you. Love that one. That was one I was raised on and recited, and I oftentimes recited that when I was in trouble. <laughs> it was one of those verses. It was just great. Any, any Pentecostal mamas, make your kids just quote scripture when they're in trouble. It's awesome. And it changes you. That's why, that's why we confess that, and, and we were made to do that as kids because we're literally receiving the living word of God that changes us. And when we hear it out of our mouths, it will pierce our hearts, and we will live change because I'm sorry means change, right? So we're going to go over that today. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked, and this, is, this can be confusing, that it says blessed are the pure in heart, but yet it says that the heart is desperately wicked. I've heard this. Uh, I've heard this my whole life, different people quoting this, just follow your heart. I personally think it's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life because scripture says here, the heart is desperately wicked. Let's look at this in Jeremiah 17, 9 to, 11, 9 to 10, I'm sorry, and that's on the screens. The heart is the most deceitful of all things, the most deceitful of all things, it says, and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it actually is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. That's not popular anymore in church, is it? That we're due what our actions deserve. It's not popular anymore to say that there's a heaven and a hell and there's a possibility that we could go to either one without the Lord. You might not end up in the pearly gates and, and, and looking at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords face to face. That's not a popular message. But believe it or not, the reason why we have a great commission is because we're supposed to be going out and demonstrating these beatitudes and value system of Jesus. So don't talk to me if you robo show Bahandai, but you don't live the fruits and the beatitudes and the character of Jesus. I really don't want to hear your prayer language. Need to see the evidence of the fruit of, and then if you have a prayer language, awesome. But we need to be converts, not just prayer. We prayed the prayer so we might get in. We need to be converts. So in order to do that, we apply these nine values, and then we see there's a character change when Holy Spirit deals with us. You with me there? So how can I be blessed with a pure heart when the Bible says that this heart is desperately wicked? When you are born again, when you receive Christ, you get a brand new heart. Okay? You're trading in the old car. You're getting a brand new car with no coffee stains, in my case. Okay? Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26, God will take out the old stony heart and give us a new heart. God doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Thank God for that because I would be missing it there. He says blessed are the pure in heart. That means we're not perfect, but we do know who we are. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a brand new heart and put a new spirit in you. That's not just a heart. That's a spirit. That's a good spirit. That's the spirit we want. Okay, during Halloween season. That's the spirit we want. I will remove from you your, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So he does a surgical action right there where we have a heart transplant. That's what I'm reading there. He takes out the old and he instills the new. You go, well, who can get that? Everyone. Thank God. There's this free gift that's accessible to every one of us. Philippians 2, verse 15 in the ESV, it says that you, it's talking about that's me, everybody say that's me, 
so that you, that's me, <laughs> may be blameless and innocent. Adam and Eve, by the way, were innocent and blameless before they sinned. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior like Adam and Eve before they sinned, we are innocent. You're made innocent when you accept Christ. So may be made blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Anybody think we have a crooked and twisted generation? Among whom you shine as lights to the world. Okay, by the way, that's an assignment. That's an assignment. Among who you shine as lights to the world. So when I'm a cranky pants and I'm in the Starbucks drive-thru, and I really don't feel like talking to the barista who may be struggling with sin. The Lord convicted me of this this week. There was a barista that was struggling with a sin that was disgusting to me that I was sitting in front of. And they were talking to me and all I was seeing was the gross. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not seeing them how I see them. And he rebuked me right in the Starbucks drive through And then expected me to enjoy my frappuccino. That's how God works. See, this is a day-by-day thing. We're living this out. We're walking this out. It's a walk of faith that we're changed. Thank you, God, that we are forgiven. We are made without blemish. We are made 60% pure. We're made 100% pure. We're blemish-free when we get this new heart. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Say this with me. Keep Yourself, Yourself. Pure. pure. Thank you, choir. I appreciate that. Now, I want to give you three ways to sustain a pure heart this morning. And this message is really simple, but y'all, we need this. I don't care if you've been saved for 100 years. And if you have good, by the way, congratulations on your age. You've made it. But I want to give you three ways to sustain a pure heart. We are all in the process of working out and maintaining this thing, this purity. Nobody's there. We all have smudges. We all have rough edges. We're all working them out. Liz and I, we were working them out on our way in this morning. Any married couples working them out on your way in this morning? We were talking to each other. She's doing all the lipstick, and I'm like, we're five minutes late. She's like, we're working on those rough edges, baby. I love you. (laughs) So number one, three ways to sustain a pure heart. The first one, and these are going to shock you a little bit. They're a little bit of a twist. This is a message with a twist this morning. The first one is be quick to believe. You go, what does belief have anything to do with it? Check this out. We all have to be careful about doubt and unbelief. We have to believe in God's power to change us and that it can change people. We have to understand that faith comes by hearing and believing in the word that changes us. That's why I encourage you to meditate on the word. And when I encourage you to do your devotions, I encourage you to read it out loud so your ears hear the medicine of scripture that comes out of your mouth that it would sink in because faith comes by hearing. So read it out loud because it will build faith. When you read the word out loud, this builds your faith, your most holy faith. It builds you up. I encourage you to do that in your devotions. I encourage you to let your ears hear it. I've seen people, people's intellect get in the way of of sanctification and and purity. And I want to encourage you not to, not to, this is not just about the head. This is about, and that's why I prayed that in the beginning of this message, that this way you hit your heart, not just your head. Faith is believing that God does a supernatural work, not my head figuring out a natural or logical method. The cross wasn't logical. Jesus died and supernaturally saved us from the consequence of sin and hence making us pure. 
You might not understand the work of the cross, but we don't have to. We just have to believe it. Can I tell you one of the things I'm seeing on, on young Christians is that we love to debate and we love to talk about the intellect of scripture and sound like we're smart, but I cannot tell you that your intellect and your brain will lead you astray from what scripture says if you're not careful. It can le- I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being smart. What I'm saying is if you think you're so smart that you get into a position of pride, you're guilty of the same thing that kept Satan out of heaven, so be careful. You go, I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know about that. Well, if you sit and, and, and you think, you ponder... You sit and you ponder and you debate things constantly. You can get into that place easily. The Bible actually says don't debate stupidity. Don't debate stupid things. We need to have childlike faith. In Luke 24, verse 25, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. See, it's telling you right there there's a warning. And by the way, those are the red-letter words of Jesus. It's a warning that our hearts are slow to believe, so we're going to really need to work on this. That's why we say we're working out our faith. We're working out our heart. Really, it's what we just sang. I surrender, Lord, to you that even what I don't understand, I trust you. There's lots of things I don't understand. I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't understand why I've dealt with certain challenges in my life that I didn't feel I deserved. And there's certain things in my life that I deserve that I don't understand why I didn't get what I did deserve. But I understand that belief doesn't need to figure out on the calculator. It just trusts God, and that's walking it out by faith. Faith is believing in the things that we don't see or have a guarantee in, but we do know. Well, we have a guarantee. We we know what what we know by what Jesus said, but we might not understand the picture. But that's what I mean by guarantee there. You need to trust in order to believe. I'm going to say that again. You need to trust in order to believe you need to trust the lord it's important god is powerful we don't need to analyze we need to believe because this keeps us in a position of purity when we have thoughts of doubt and unbelief we need to out loud guys out loud establish the habit of looking at the devil and saying you're a liar flat out you're a liar Because what you're doing is you're taking your thoughts captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we take our thoughts and we order our thoughts, not our thoughts order us. When you're struggling with fear, you need to take authority and order your thoughts in the name of Jesus, not let your thoughts order you. This is important, and I'm preaching way better than you're amening me this morning. But that's okay. By the way, I'm not full of myself. This is scripture. Three ways to sustain a pure heart. The second one is we got to be quick to forgive, and we talked about this last week. Guys, forgiveness is so wrapped up in the Beatitudes. It's so wrapped up in the importance because we have to understand in order to be forgiven, we have to release and forgive, and that's a difficult thing. And we talked about that last week. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So this thing the Bible is telling me is desperately wicked. It's saying guard it because it determines the course of your life. That's why I say follow your heart is such a dangerous statement. Danger, 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 Will Robinson, and following, following your heart. Be careful with that. You may say, I don't love that person, but I want to tell you this. When we become born again, a new heart has all the love you need in it because it's a new heart. It's not a stony heart anymore. 
All the love you need to forgive anyone in your lifetime is living in the heart that is now inside of you. All we have to do is choose obedience and release forgiveness. Do it and don't ruminate. We talked about this word ruminate. It's a psychological word. It's used in in counseling. Ruminate is when you sit and you think and you think and you think and you think. Can I tell you, when you sit and allow your mind to just go like crazy buck wild, all you're going to do when you do that is you're going to get yourself in a position where you invite anxiety and you invite fear. Do not let your mind go cray cray. Take authority over your thoughts. You go, well, what does that include? It includes anything. Who's my future spouse? Take authority over that thought. That's God's problem, not yours, if you're walking in faith. Is it ever going to happen? Am I ever going to get that job promotion? Take your thoughts captive. Just declare and walk by faith. Am I ever going to sell my house? Just declare and walk by faith. Don't let your mind ruminate on the problem. Is my family member ever going to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Take authority over that thought and do not ruminate. All it will do is create fear. You go, well, I've declared and decreed and declared and decreed and declared. Well, keep going. Keep going. Look, Noah looked like a freak when he built the ark. He, He knew what was coming because God said it and that settled it. Has God established it in your heart that what it is that he put in you, do you trust that he'll actually bring it to fruition? Do you trust the Lord? I'm asking myself that question this morning. Do I trust the Lord? I'm walking it out by faith. I'm walking it out by faith. And you know, there's times where I I really am struggling with the trust issue, but I just say it out loud. I did it in the car the other day. I said, Lord, I just trust you. And I heard heard the little devil sitting on this shoulder going, no, you don't. You don't trust the Lord. And I was like, you're a liar. We have to do that. We have to do that. We have to take our thoughts captive and be careful about this ruminating thing. Take authority over your intellect that ponders the injustice of unforgiveness and dig out the love from your new pure heart and release it. We talked about it last week. Let it go. Doubt and unforgiveness move you out from underneath the blessing of God. So this is extremely important. Doubt and unforgiveness, guys, unforgiveness, it'll remove you from the blessing of the Lord, which is why it's so important to let it go. Lord's been correcting me on this one because, again, my mind, do you know that when you talk about problems that you've dealt with in the past, all you're really doing, my my parents and I, we we challenge each other with this all the time. We're not going to talk about it anymore. What are we saying? We're saying we don't want our minds to ruminate about things because what it'll do is it'll open the door to unforgiveness. And then it can become bitterness. And then we are completely defiled. That's what scripture says. Bitterness defiles everything. So we got to be careful. The Bible says that don't let the sun go down on your anger. Guys, this is really important. Liz and I, we're in a regular practice before we go to sleep. If there's anything that's between us, we'll look at each other and say, baby, I got to make this right. I got to make this right. And sometimes I won't remember it till the morning. So the sun will go up and I'll go, I'm not angry, but I just, you know, I was thinking about this. You look at me and go, yeah, you got problems. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 26. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Get rid of all, say all, all. bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. This points to a pure heart, guys, when you're tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And the third one 
And this is the most difficult. Three ways to sustain a pure heart is be quick to repent. Guys, we've made one of the core values of this church repentance because it's the only way that we're going to get there is be quick to repent. This morning, when we were getting ready, Liz and I, we were talking about some things, and I, I was slightly short with her, to say the least. And I looked at her in the car, and I, the Bible, the Bible, God was, was talking to me, and I read this verse in the Bible. I was kind of going over my message, and I went, of course I'm tested in this. I'm going to speak in it, on it today. And I looked at her, I said, babe, I need you to forgive me. I was a little short this morning. And she looked at me, and she said, of course. And then she apologized for something, too, just so y'all know. We were even there. I didn't want you to think I had 100%. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. You may say, well, I thought that we already were made right with God. You're saying to repent. And we are, by the way. We do have a tendency to step off path, and repentance keeps us in right standing with God and produces the evidence of change that we can have a heart of faith that allows us to walk out this very purity. Pride justifies sin, guys. Pride does that. However, humility is transparent and accepts the miracle that comes with forgiveness. It's so much better to just say, I was wrong. Let it go, let it go. It's so much easier to just do that. So blessed are the pure in heart. It's not those that have a pure heart. It's those that keep a pure heart. This is the process of living in a place of repentance. Be quick to accept your shortcoming and repent. Be, be willing to apologize. God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. Do you know that it actually pleases the Lord when we get to a place of I'm sorry? When we get to a place of repentance. Guys, this is why the American church, by the way, is cutting worship down to 15 minutes and, and getting the machine of church. Do you know why? Because when we get into the presence of the Lord and we see God and the more that he exposes himself to us, the more we step into where we experience the Holy Spirit is the more we discover not where we're right, but where we're wrong. It identifies all the impurities in us. And that's where you have that moment of repentance. And the American church is scared stiff of that because it exposes. I want you to know that the older I'm getting is the more grateful I am for the exposure of the Lord of sin in my life. That's a tough thing, though, because it's embarrassing and it's humiliating sometimes in the flesh until you step into the spirit and you go, oh, this exposure is my saving grace. And that's the way we need to look at it. The exposure of God is not to humiliate you. It's to save you because he loves you. I said it last week. If all you're doing is hanging around people that rub you the right way, you don't have the right company. I got people all around me, all around me. That are willing to say, hey, you know what, Adam, I love you, but you're wrong. You're being a booger. Love you, but you're being a booger. If you don't have people that are telling you that, you're hanging out with the wrong company. Pride will resist the possibility of ever being wrong. Let's be quick to repent and keep a pure heart. Paul asked this question in Romans 2, verse 3 to 4. And this is a question mark. I want you to hear this, how Paul's asking this. Hear Paul's tone when I read this to you. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Isn't it amazing how critical we could be of everybody else while we're living with sin in our own life? That's why people who accuse other people usually have the most skeletons in their own closet. I'm telling you, the, um, be careful of the person that's quick to blow the horn of sin in somebody else. 
Because that person is probably way corrupt on the inside. I'm talking, by the way, from experience, because I've done it. Trying to like deflect, like, oh, you know, don't, don't look at me. You know, I, I, I am so holy and self-righteous and so awesome. Now, verse 4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance? Remember we talked about forbearance? In other words, give it a pass, that God gives our sin a pass. So he's saying, or do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? This is where we talk about hyper grace. In other words, oh, God's just going to forgive me, whatever. It's fine. I got a pass. No. No, blessed are the pure in heart. It means you're working on maintaining this heart that God gave you that's pure. Very simple. This wicked thing that was replaced with this pure thing and keep it without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Keep it out. Keep the impurity out. There's many preachers have done this before where they take like a, a... a thing of milk and they'll put Hershey chocolate in there just a little bit and stir it up and it immediately changes the color. Like when we let a little bit of sin in, it changes the entire color of everything. That's why we need to work so hard at this. I want to lead you in a prayer. I love David, guys. God loved David. He said David was a man after his own heart. Do you know that David was extremely corrupt in his heart and he struggled? And This is a man who had an affair This is a man who was guilty of murder. This is a man who had a lot of stuff in his life that was jacked up. David was jacked up. By the way, the 12 disciples were jacked up. And Jesus goes, this is my posse. This is my team. This jacked up group of people, I'm going to pour into them. Do you know, aren't you grateful that God pours into jacked up people this morning? Anybody else but me grateful for that? Because I could tell you all right now, I'm not here because I'm perfect. I'm here because God called me because I am jacked up, but I'm working it out. By faith, I'm working it out. I'm asking God to come in and take the sander and get rid of those rough edges. By the way, that happens from company, having surrounding yourself with good company that get that and challenge you. But I love this, and this is our prayer today. I want to pray this today, this prayer of David. I'm going to read this, and then the music's going to start. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. I want to pause right there. Cast not away from your cast me not away from your presence, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. As a church, we've gotten so big on the fact that our gifts are without repentance. But I've told you the anointing, it can lift like that. You just read it. It says, cast me not away from your presence, O God. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. In other words, if I want to stay in the anointing, if I want to be in a place where God can use me, I've got to keep the clean heart pure. And it's a challenge. And it's a struggle. You know, God is wanting to visit a church that's broken. He's looking for a broken church. He's looking for people that say, I am not perfect. God, I'm jacked up and I need you. When you demonstrate that kind of humility, it's amazing how he drops and he'll actually perform miracles through a jacked up person. 
You can lay hands on the sick and they can recover and you cannot be perfect when you're in a place of repentance because you're not riding grace in purity, the impurity of, of what uh, we're taking advantage of grace. You understand what I'm saying there? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. In other words, God, I'm willing to deal with the things that are hidden, that are, are I'm, I'm losing track here. I need you to show me. I need you to help me deal with this. And when we do that, what do we get? We get the fullness of joy. Guys, a pure heart will keep you happy. Some of the most miserable people I know are people that are living in sin. Remember, as a church, we want to know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference. In order to find freedom, you have to admit I'm wrong. I'm jacked up. We had this introduction to the Lord during worship, and we were in his presence. Did that convict you to find freedom? Because freedom is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. I love that. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit. Let's just do this every head bowed. Let's just stand to our feet. And Father, we just pray right now, Lord. I ask you to bring revelation to every person in here. God, reveal to us the things that are not right in our life. Reveal it to us in the name of Jesus. Father, show us this morning what it is in us that's not pleasing to you. And I ask you, Lord, that you would bring freedom to every person. I just want to encourage you, just as, as, our, as this is a you and God moment, this is a you and God moment. Any sin that you can think of, can you just repent right now and just say, Lord, I forgive me of that. Maybe you were grouchy this morning. Maybe this week you said something you regret. Maybe there's language you used that you regret. Maybe you've been in a position of unforgiveness towards somebody. And you just say, God, just wash me. It's just that simple. I repent, Father, wash me. Cleanse me, Lord. Make me pure. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're washing us. And with that, Lord, I thank you for a release this week as we repent for the joy of your salvation. Would you just say this out loud? Father, I thank you that I walk in forgiveness, that I walk in your grace. And I thank you that when I do, when I release sin, I receive and I declare and I decree your joy. Is my strength. If you believe that, would you give God a shout of praise this morning? If you're watching online, I want to encourage you with this. Maybe you've never seen God. Maybe you, this is all new to you. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer and say, Father, I accept you. I repent of my sin. I thank you that you've washed me. I dedicate my life to you, and I surrender to you in the name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to direct message or email us. You can go on our website, info at hopecovenant.cc. We want to hear from you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to be in touch with you. Would you give God a shout of praise this morning? If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.